All right, Father Jonathan, what day is it? Father David, today is the day that we're recording. It is, and we will be speaking, I think, about the sixth Sunday in Ordinary Time. And I'm just gonna sixth Sunday. Just gonna warn you, this sneaks up on us every year. We are right around the corner from Lent. Lent, oh, I love Lent. Oh yes. Should I love Lent? I think you love Lent, and uh, I just want you to be aware that it it's gonna sneak up on you. And I I'm calling <laughs> it right now that in a few weeks' time we're gonna record, and you're gonna be like, no way. It's Ash Wednesday already? <laughs> no way. <laughs> so anyway, so just to be thinking about that, it's coming up soon. Great. I love Lent. Yeah. So we got a couple more weeks of ordinary time uh, as we record. And yeah, so today was the fifth Sunday in ordinary time, the miraculous catch of fish uh, in the Gospel of Luke. Um, did you go to a homily today? Did you hear a homily today? Or did you say a mass on your own? No, it's just me. <laughs> Just you, just you. I had um, I had our first mass here at the church, and I got to tell you, I was pretty happy with my homily, which I'm not always happy. I'm a very strong critic of myself, and so mm-hmm. I was pretty happy with it. I ended up uh, reading some Pope Benedict uh, commentaries on the gospel and some of his old homilies, and uh, one of the things that he said about that passage that I thought was really great is that uh, the way that Peter addresses Jesus at the beginning is master you know rabbi teacher and then when after the miracle he calls him lord and Mm. and the Mm. and the transformation there happens because of an encounter with christ like his encounter with christ changes jesus in his own estimation from being just a teacher to being the lord uh and so i preached on that on like uh, a call to that's awesome yeah a call to depth you know casting out into the deep uh, to be able to to pro- like to go deeper in our relationship with God, to where we can actually confess Him no longer just as like a you know a nice teacher, but actually as the Lord of our life. Anyway, so I, I riffed on that for a while. That's very cool. I mean, you can't go wrong with reading Pope Benedict, pretty much for anything. Yeah, man. Oh man, no, his homilies have been very helpful, and he's the best we got. Yeah, I I definitely don't like just absolutely plagiarize him, but I certainly get inspired by uh, by his preaching. Um, it's just so it's so clear. It's so clear. Um, you know, here's a here's a question and perhaps a topic for another time. Mm-hmm. In the I don't I dare even say early church. Let's just say like the earlier church. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was not uncommon when let's say when before like Vatican II when preaching well maybe anyway, anyway, when preaching was not as common at mass. Yeah. Um People reused homilies all the time. Like St. John Chrysostom's stuff gets reused every year, even in the East still. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And so like we've got this hang up of, oh, well, I can't, I can't just preach what he said. Well, why not? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're not, if you're not calling it your own ideas and you're saying, Pope Benedict said this brilliantly, so let's just talk about that. Yeah. Why can't we do that? No, that's good. That's good. Uh, so I don't like the style piece of it when it becomes a citation, like... Um, you know, here's a quote from Pope, uh, from Pope Benedict or, you know, as St. Thomas Aquinas says, and then say a quote, like, I think there's a style thing there that just doesn't sound like preaching. It just sounds like a paper to me, you know? Um, but I think it can work. It can work. But like the, now, okay, you've got your own, and again, this may not be the time or place for this conversation, but like, you've got your own style. Okay. I've got my own style. Okay. Which is very different from. Um, St. Augustine, Pope Benedict, uh, 
St. John Chrysostom, all these guys. Yeah. So just to read, or to proclaim, rather, not just to read their, their old sermons. Like, yeah, that's... But it's not a paper because these were not written as papers. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Actually, like, reading the whole thing, you know, and not just, like, snippets, like, that'd well, that's be... What I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. You know, like, we have the, uh, like, that Easter Saturday homily, you know, that from the unknown uh, preacher... Like, yeah, that's a part of our literature, and that's awesome, you know, to just preach it. Like, yeah. you can't do it much better than that. Um, I like it. We, I, re- mean, we re- I did that. I did that a couple of years ago with, on Easter. Oh, uh, with- I read St. John, I, I proclaimed St. John Chrysostom, his Paschal homily. Wow. How'd that go? And it was cool. It was very cool. I was going to say that we uh, we reuse the readings. <laughs> why, not? <laughs> why, why not reuse the homilies, you know? Um, no, that's good. That's good. Um, so anyway, hey, let's just jump into uh, what do we got this this week? We're no longer with Isaiah. I guess we're now with Jeremiah. Uh, and mm-hmm. after Jeremiah, we're still with Paul in the letter of the Corinthians. And what, the Beatitudes? Luke's version of the Beatitudes? Beatitudes, yeah. I'm going to defer to you on that one because I know you love Luke. And you, <laughs> I you, do love Luke. And you taught the gospel. So I, I don't have a lot to say about Luke. But I mean, my, my first thought on these readings was what I, what I honed in on. I, I love in the Old Testament and in, and in the Gospel of John and other places, just the, the, the thing that you see here in Jeremiah, you know, the dryness and then the, the lush, the lush trees planted by waters, you know, as a contrast to the barren bush in the desert. So that contrast uh, is important mm-hmm. and that is, it's very vivid. So there's a lot of imagery there that can be, you know, food for thought for a homily uh, to work out. And then uh, the, the year of drought, it shows no distress, but still bears fruit. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I thought about like in the spiritual life, you know, desolation or dryness in prayer. It's okay. Like you can still bear fruit in that. Anyway, so nothing, nothing too solidified yet, but I like those images, like the, the image of, of water and dryness, uh, the, the images of desert and oasis. I think those are great images to preach on and you can really riff on those for a while. Yeah. I mean, for me, like the thing that really stood out for this reading from Jeremiah is we've got we've got two types of people, right? The one who trusts in human beings and the one who trusts in the Lord. Like, full stop, right? You could you could build your homily on that. Like, when it comes down to it, I was talking to a friend about the book of Job today. Yeah. And, like, when it comes down to it, that's the question that's being asked. Mm. At the end of the day, when you've hit rock bottom, who is it that you trust? Where do you find your comfort? Right. Do you just give in and say, well, it doesn't matter, just say that you're wrong and then... You'll have, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or or in the face of, like we hear from Jeremiah, um, look, the heat will come. The drought will, will show up. Yeah. Um, your, your trees are not going to be planted where they need to be planted or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, things are not ideal. But do you still trust? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a powerful question to ask. And it's one that we, we, we like to say that we can answer. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know that we can say that as even, you know, you and me, us priests, I don't think that we can say that as easily as we probably should. Right, right. Because we've got so many of these, you know, creature comforts or whatever you want to call them. Sure. Like all the things that we tend to hide behind and, and put up as our as our golden calves, right? Um, at the end of the day, who do we trust? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's good. You know, maybe there's a good uh, juncture point there for the the Beatitudes, you know, the poor trust in God, you know, the hungry yeah. do, the weeping, those that are persecuted, Yeah. you know, it's yeah. blessed are they, you know, and so they they put their trust in the Lord, you know, and, and the reward will be great in heaven. 
um, yeah, that might be a really cool link there uh, that th those who are poor may be poor in material things, uh, but they can be they can be very much planted near running waters, you know, and receive the kingdom of God. You know, the hungry will be satisfied, you know, by the flowing waters, you know, that enrich the, the roots. Anyway, so that that might be the, the clear connection between Jeremiah and Luke here. Yeah, you know, as you said, I, I do really love Luke, and I think that Luke in particular has this really fascinating, and I've not studied it as much as I would like to, uh, he's got this really fascinating theology of wealth that he, on a number of occasions, he talks about the rich, talks about the poor, and sets the poor up as being, you know, uh, who lives in the kingdom, as we see here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he doesn't, like, say, you who are rich are lost. Hmm. He says, woe to you who are rich. Okay, okay. But why? For you have received your consolation. You have that comfort right now. You have that trust. And that's going to fail eventually. And that is something to be said. He's not saying how dare you be rich? You're such a terrible person. He's mm -hmm. like, you need to be careful because if you don't see past what you've got right now, then you're going to be sorely disappointed when that goes away. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, right. That's right. And so like we, we try to set this up as this grand dichotomy of rich versus poor. Um, and like the, the, the rich are going to go, going to be damned for all time and the poor are going to be raised. It's like th we are looking at this in the complete wrong way. Hmm. Rather, it's it's the question of, of well, of that first reading. Who is it that we trust? Yeah. For the rich, uh, who, those who are filled now, those who laugh, those who speak well of you, like, that's very concrete for right now. You don't have to wonder that. You don't have to struggle with, what am I going to do tomorrow? The poor do. <laughs> yeah. Those who weep do. Those who grieve do. Right, right. And so there's, there's, a, there's a building up of strength of character. That's right. In some ways. That's right. Um, so that the poor necessarily go through, that right. the rich can can go through. And again, that's what I want to stress. Like, yeah. that can happen. He's not saying it's impossible. Right, right. But he's saying, if you leave it to its own devices, then you don't. there's no need to. Yeah. So when riches, especially like, okay, so woe to you who are rich for your received your consolation. It's not, it's not a condemnation of the rich because Jesus does say the rich can be saved, though it's more difficult. Um, it's just to say, kind of to your point, like we... We store up the riches, like the man in, I think it may be mm -hmm. Luke uh, as well, like that puts the all of his grain in the barn, or is that Matthew? I think it's Luke, actually. It's right around the sparrow uh, discourse, um, is storing up all your riches and then going to feast uh, and to party, and then the next day you die, <laughs> you know? And so, like, yeah. um, not having that freedom and disposition to not ha have the riches that you have currently acquired. Uh, another way to, to maybe propose that same idea, uh, you know, when Ignatius in the Rules for Discernment of Spirits in the Spiritual Exercises says, you know, in times of consolation, you know, prepare for times of desolation. Like that's part of... I was of just about to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. I so mean, especially for the for the second two. Woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. Exactly. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. Exactly. Like, it may not happen immediately, but this will happen, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what are you doing to prepare for that? For sure. Yeah, and so calling it a woe is not because he's condemning richness uh, or being filled. He's just saying, look, careful, caution, uh, yeah. you know, sort of like pump the brakes a little bit, you know, because it's when... So, like, he's giving consolation to those who are downtrodden, and he's also giving caution to those who are in consolation, um, you know, who might be having, uh, you know, a springtime in their life. It's like, well, caution, don't rest on your laurels here. 
uh, because just as easily as the Lord has given, the Lord can take away. You're talking about Job, you know, um, and it's a beautiful thing to have that trust in God and that like separation from my riches and from my consolation, as he says here, my separation from that or detachment from that to where I have the freedom to be poor as well. Um, and trusting that God will provide for me, even if I don't have the riches that I've acquired, you know? Um, yeah, that's good. That's really good. I'm, I'm struck that the word consolation is in the text. That might be a really good hint to, <laughs> yeah, to yeah. that kind of discourse. Yeah. You know, it, it reminds me of um, one of your examples that I stole, um, and I've told you that I've stolen, mm-hmm. <laughs> of the athlete. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, how, and how they strive for excellence. Yeah. It doesn't come through winning. <laughs> like when you just win all the time. Well, I mean, that's good. I guess you're doing something right if you're just winning. But like the growth and development happens when you lose. You know what you've done wrong. And so you can go and train and work specifically on that. You know, and so that eventually, as you say, have said before, like you get to the point once you've done that and worked on that and, and developed that that you don't even have to think about the rules of the game that you're playing anymore, that you just become that and start to, um, yeah, to exude that, whatever that game is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like that's, I, I, it seems to be at least like that's what is going on with, with those who are struggling. There's, there's an attempt to, um, yeah, they're being tested. They're, they're, they're growing. They're, they're in the gym. Yeah. Hey, so, uh, I'm just realizing now it's kind of in, everything that we've been saying is kind of in full display at the end of Jeremiah's reading, you know, is that there will be years of drought, you know, but in the years of drought, show no distress, but still bear yeah. fruit, you know, yeah. and trust, you know, so that have hope rather. Yeah. Yeah. Having hope. But I guess just putting the, the, putting the emphasis on the drought, it's like, okay, you, you may have riches and consolation and joys in a springtime. Okay. But when fall comes and winter comes, you know, will you be, will you be bearing fruit then too? Like in your times of desolation and despair, can you still be a witness to the kingdom or is your witnessing to the kingdom contingent on your happiness or contingent on Mm -hmm. your, your positive emotions or your riches? It's like, well, a good disciple of Christ doesn't need to be rich or poor. He just needs to be faithful, you know, and trusting in the Lord. Yeah. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to tread carefully with what I'm about to say, but there is, and I'm sure you've met people like this, um, who have this really powerful, let's say, this really powerful conversion experience. And then from there on out, kind of ignore the even possibility that something bad will happen. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's this blind faith that, oh, it doesn't matter, whatever happens, the Lord, uh, you know, I just trust in the Lord and all will be well. It's like, I get that. And I love Julian of Norwich, all will be well, all will be well. And I believe that, but like, listen to Jeremiah. Yeah. Uh, the heat will come. The drought will come. Right. What are you going to do? <laughs> Just right. white knuckle it and pretend that it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like Pope, again, going back to Pope Benedict in, in Space Alve, he's very clear. That is not hope. <laughs> right. <laughs> to pretend right. that nothing is wrong. That's right. In fact, hope is recognizing that things are pretty bad. Uh, and so asking the question, what are you going to do about it? Sure. In a sense. Sure. Are you going to trust the Lord or are you going to give up? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking about, um, you know, the other book in the Old Testament, you know, that's attributed to Jeremiah is the book of Lamentations. And this is a man who's no stranger to suffering and to lament. Yeah. Um, and it's beautiful because the same man who can lament uh, is the same man who can be a prophetic voice. 
you know so speaking the good news even in the midst of despair there's a lot of there's a lot there and i like that because there's maybe a whole homily here around hope uh of what does it mean to be hope that there could be there could be seasons that we have of famine and seasons that we have of of, of a great harvest of feasting you know but our faith in the lord and our discipleship is 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 a is a consistent piece in that it's not contingent upon the blessings and the curses what what the only thing it's contingent upon is our hope in the lord our trust in him um that's important you know it's getting away from this idea that like god's favor on us is equivalent to our positive experiences mm-hmm. you know yeah. and and that our negative experiences are tantamount to god's curses right yeah that's dangerous right or that the poor somehow are cursed by god and the rich are because somehow evil blessed by exists God. in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the whole prosperity gospel is is baked in this, man. Like a lot of people who think that if you are blessed by God, that means that like if you have a lot of money, that means you're blessed by God. And it's like, well, yeah. hold, hold on. Like this, this we got to tread lightly there, you know, uh, yeah. because the poor are also blessed by God. Actually, they're the right. ones who are blessed. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Beatitudes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, hey, let's jump to Corinthians really quick. Uh, I just think that it would be a mistake to not underline, and I did underline it in the text. You know, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then your faith is vain. Like that is yeah. not an insignificant statement. That. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure how it'll fit in with what we were just talking about with poverty and riches, but like that's huge. Yeah. I mean, I still love that story that I like to tell of. Um, you know, in the Basilica in St. Louis. Oh yeah. The, they have they have that written on the on the transept or whatever they're called over on the right side. And yeah. so if you're sitting on uh if you're sitting in the right spot, all you see is Christ has not been raised, your faith is vain. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, oh boy. Okay. Oh boy. Uh yeah. no, but I think that yeah, this is such a great and powerful um uh verse that I, I mean, I, I I think it really can be put into so many different homilies and different ideas and all of that stuff. Right. And I think particularly because we're talking exactly about like, why hope? Why trust? Mm-hmm. This is why. <laughs> because Christ has been raised from the dead. Right. And our, we have this faith of redemption. We have this, this trust mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's not all for, it's not just to have a happy life. It's not just to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Like that's nice to do, but like if you get down to it. Like, that's not what it means to be a Christian. That's right. This is what it means to be a Christian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Having hope, having hope in the resurrection. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. You know, and I think it's the poor, probably, actually, probably, this is why, uh, <laughs> this is where the, the rubber hits the road, is that it tends to be that the poor, pro- I, I imagine the poor have more uh, freedom to believe in that hope of eternal life because they don't have the security that the rich do. Like the rich mm-hmm. are the ones who perhaps don't want to believe in the resurrection as easily uh, just because they have everything that they need, supposedly, right. you know? Yeah. And yeah. so and so hope can be really destroyed by all that security or false security, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, good, good. Yeah, and I I love this line, you know, if... So if, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is vain, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. We're all gone. If wow. for this... If for this life we have hoped in Christ, then we're most then we're the most pitiable. I'm like okay, well, if that's if that's if, what am I trying to say here? If that's what even if what we oh, slow down, I get excited. Uh, <laughs> if we even think this, you know, implicitly that that Christ has not died uh, has not been raised, rather, then then we're talking about nothingness. Mm-hmm. Then those mm-hmm. who have fallen asleep have truly perished. Right. If Christ has not been raised, 
then those of us who have hoped in Christ are the most pitiable people of all. Right. Like, we have been the most ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's like, is that something that you really want to... Like, we're talking about, you know, the uh, uh, consequences of our actions. Like, what are what are our ideas? What's the end of our ideas? Like, this is it. Nothingness. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? I don't think so. I don't think so. And yeah. I think that's what the readings are trying to say. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, I guess I'll leave this as my parting thought, just to uh, throw this out there as a bit of a curveball. It's just, it's fascinating that what what St. Paul says here could be said by uh, an atheist. <laughs> you know, so like, you know, if uh, if Christ is not raised from the dead, then your faith is vain. And Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, so your faith is vain. Like, you know, can, can very much <laughs> like... you're an idiot, yeah. Yeah, like push it back in our face, you know. And, yeah. But precisely because it's coming from the words of the, of, the, of the apostle who has experienced Christ, and he can yeah. say all this means that yes. he believes it. <laughs> yeah. It's real. Yeah. There's no reason for him to say these things. Right. Like, there's no reason for him to go to his death Exactly, exactly, exactly. Cool, man. Let's leave it there, huh? All right, pal. All right, man. Till next time.